Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Eric Termundi is a young entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, and consultant to both employers and potential employees on the issues of multiple generations working together at close quarters. We'll run our assessment and really look to work with organizations to understand how to create a happier organization and really optimize people within each of the workplaces. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? One of the best pieces of advice that I was told early on was that content is king. And if we keep if we keep producing content in any form, whether it be articles, videos, posts, tweets, whatever that might be, I can say from experience that a lot of the things and a lot of the people that I've reached out to is based on an article that I've read that they wrote, or a video that I saw that I thought was really inspiring, or a book that I read that I thought was, you know, had some really great takeaways. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. We're coming to you today from the bustling downtown Vancouver, Canada, the amazing Central Library. It was built in 1995, and it resembles Rome's Flavian Amphitheater, better known, I suppose, as the Colosseum. Gorgeous place. If you're ever on the West Coast, you should come to see this nine-story wonder of the world. I'm Fred Keating, by the way, the Fred of Fred Marvin Friends. Uh, My co-host Marvin Polis out on his own today, as am I. Uh, And the friend I'd like you to meet and hear out is Eric Termundi. Welcome, Eric, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Fred. It's uh, great to be a part of the podcast and really looking forward to what we have to say today. Eric Termundi is a young entrepreneur, a motivational speaker and consultant to both employers and potential employees on the issues of multiple generations working together at close quarters. Eric is a principal at the firm Driver, spelled with a Y to acknowledge the uh, Gen Y presence that is soon to become some 75% of the workforce. So Eric, Tell us about the why and the how of Driver. Why is it needed and how to get started? Thanks, Fred. I think that we're, we're now living in a world that is so dependent on this exponential integration of technology. And as a result, I think what's happening is that there's a real lack of communication between employer and employees as to what the real experience of the job is going to be. As a result of that, we're looking at this Generation Y, this millennial generation. It's kind of stuck in the crosshairs of this integration of technology, right? We're just kind of getting the last of these people into the workplace now. And as a result of this exponential change in the way we do work, why we're doing the work, and who we're doing the work with, uh, we're starting to see that 10 years low, that anxiety in the workplace is quite high, that workplace satisfaction is low, and that the idea that millennials are are difficult to work with or that there's a big communications gap or that there's a big talent or an age gap. I think all of these are true in a way, but the reason for that is because we're not articulating the values and the experiences of the job effectively and we're failing to really optimize what it is a culture looks like within each organization. I mean, the generation gap used to be you and your parents or your parents and their parents. And now there are multiple generations in the workforce. Let me put it this way. The, the amount of information on the Apollo 11 spacecraft on the computers was 68 kilobytes. If we were to look at the iPhone 5, okay, we're not talking the 7, we're talking the 5. 
the amount of information, the amount of memory on that phone was 200,000 times the amount of memory that the Apollo 11 spaceship had. And so, yes, we're dealing with five different generations. And yes, we're dealing with seemingly the same amount of time. But the way that we do our work and how technology has changed the way we live our lives is actually putting us in a whole different situation than we've ever really experienced before because the way we're utilizing this information is changing faster than the age and the way that we would typically communicate from generation to generation. Now, tell me how you do your work in relationship to this situation. Tell me about Driver and what it's built to do. Driver is a tech-based people firm is the way we're building it. We've built a, a proprietary diagnostic tool that quantifies culture within the workplace. And what we're able to do with that information is really develop a robust roadmap that's data-based based on what people are saying is present in the workplace in order to really optimize what that culture looks like. We'll run our assessment quarterly uh, and really look to, on an or individual organizational basis, work with organizations to understand how to create a happier organization and really optimize people within each of the workplaces. Just briefly tell me, what does it mean to quantify a culture? Really, I think what's, what's happened is that culture is, is difficult to understand, right? It's, it's a large, ambiguous, kind of smoke and mirrors term that everyone likes to use, similar to engagement, to leadership, to mentorship. And what we're really trying to do is understand that. And so if we can take terms like, you know, by understanding leadership, branding, attraction, engagement, collaboration, integration, sustainability, diversity, and ask people within the organizations what their perception on these things are and how present they are, then we can really look to build that roadmap, put an implementation plan in place, and optimize each of these different categories, which we believe falls underneath that cultural umbrella. Which level of the organization do you work with? Do you most interact with? Are you at the top level, the executives? Are you counseling or coaching individuals? Good question. I mean, it's, it's top down and it's bottom up. So, I mean, we get into the organization at the top, usually the C-suite, whether it be HR, vice president, CEOs, presidents altogether. But when we do our initial analysis or initial scan, it's with the entire employee base. And then from there, depending on what the data shows and what sort of implementation process we want to put in place, what sort of workshops, seminars, whatever that roadmap really warrants us to do, uh, we'll either work with those employees or work with leadership to ensure that everyone can be happier in the places that they're working. And how's it going? It's been great. I mean, you know, it's been a couple of years working with Driver. We've had the pleasure of working down into the States, into Europe, across the country, uh, which has been great. Working with public, private, uh, large, small, anything from insurance to university to government to small tech companies and, and pretty much everything in between. I don't want to ask your age, but you're certainly not an old guy, but you certainly seem to have put the uh, two plus some decades of existing to good use. In fact, you had a TEDx talk experience. You were presenting a talk called Bigger Than Work. What does it mean to be bigger than work? Again, I think it comes back to the idea that work is something that's, that is a bigger identifier now of who we are than ever before. And I think technology plays a big role in that. For example, when I was walking to the podcast this morning, I had my headphones on and I was on a conference call. Tonight before bed, very likely, I'll be doing a couple emails, whether it be at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And so I think what happens now, what we're starting to see is that work isn't a transactional experience anymore. It's something that's much bigger than that, something that technology has enabled it to be. And so when we're trying to find these jobs, it's not so much just a nine to five we're trying to find anymore. It's much bigger than that in that it's a community, it's a tribe, it's a sense of belonging, it's a fit. Again, it's a bigger identifier or an extension of who we are. Boy, that can be a rough road to hoe depending on what institution you got your MBA at, can it not? It can be, but again, it's up to the individual to you know, ensure that that's not really the case. And I think that you know, when it comes to 
doing a TED talk or, or starting a company. I mean, these are choices that we have to make. And, you know, something that I speak about often on the circuit is the importance of redefining what it means to be successful. And so for me, I wouldn't view myself as successful if I was working at Goldman Sachs on the 50th floor in downtown Manhattan making, call it $250,000 a year because that's not a lifestyle that I'd want to live, right? It would demand a 14-hour day, perhaps six days a week, and I don't know for sure, but that's not a life that I want to live. And so when we're walking down these paths and we're finding something that's bigger than work, I think still we're stuck in the idea of looking at brand, we're looking at salary, we're looking at skills and requirements to do the job, instead of the things that ultimately driver is trying to extract from the experiences of people within these organizations so we can tell that story better and help identify what an optimized culture looks like and who might be a better fit there. Now mind you, I've been on the circuit myself a few years and I would hardly describe it as a nine to five situation, especially if, as you have mentioned, you know, you're crossing borders, you're crossing time zones, and uh, one project may back up against another, if not overlap. Is that your idea of success? Yeah, I mean, I get to share my story with tens of thousands of people across the world. I think this year alone, I'll probably be on 95 flights. And so, I mean, this week alone, I'm on five, <laughs> um, which is wild and crazy to some and great for others. And so for, for me, my ability to, to learn and grow and develop every day, to see new places, to meet new people, couldn't be more fun. It might be that there are 14-hour days, but the things that I'm doing in that 14-hour days enable that to feel like it's less like work and more like the life I want to live. Fair enough. You've mentioned in, in some of the articles and interviews I've read, talking about stripping the hierarchy in organizations. What does that mean and, and what do you think the results would be if all or some hierarchies were stripped or flattened, I suppose? Well, that's funny you say that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, someone who I really look up to, Dan Pontefract, uh, a TELUS, he uh, wrote a book called The Flat Army. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have him write an endorsement for my upcoming book as well. And, and he talks, too, and, you know, something that we've been talking about is, is just the ability to connect with people across the organization and to have less of a hierarchy, less bureaucratic policies, less red tape in order to ultimately get decisions made and progress as an organization. So within Driver, we're all partners, we're all drivers, and I think that's really important for us because each person within the company plays a very essential role in getting the job done. If we're mopping the floors at the end of the night or, or crunching the numbers in the books, or going out and selling a business or executing on it or, or anything in between. Without that person doing that job in any company, uh, we just don't take as well as we could. So you're walking the talk? I'd like to think so, yeah. One of the best pieces of advice that I was told early on was that content is king. And if, we're keep, if we keep producing content in any form, whether it be articles, videos, posts, tweets, whatever that might be. I can say from experience that a lot of the things and a lot of the people that I've reached out to is based on an article that I've read that they wrote or a video that I saw that I thought was really inspiring or a book that I read that I thought was, you know, had some really great takeaways. If that content isn't there, it's really nearly impossible to know these people exist. And so it's been a real focus of mine now to put out as much meaningful, valuable content as possible that people might latch onto. And so I'm writing for various websites now, getting pushed in through, through LinkedIn Pulse and things like that. And you know, getting literally thousands of reads or, or, or views on, on anything that goes out now. And, and the people that emerge from that, that share those same values, that desire those same experiences is truly tremendous. And I would have no idea who they are, where they live, what their interests are, unless that content has been created. And it doesn't matter if it's in a business consulting context, if it's music, if it's visual art, if it's anything to do with sports, hobbies, entertainment, it, it, to create that content, to create a following, to create that tribe, to 
to create that community, most importantly, to create that awareness, I think is really second to none when you're trying to find people who share that passion. How did you find the culture or the members of the culture or the tribe for Driver? And how can some of our listeners create or find their tribe and develop their culture. Yeah, and I mean, this is a great time to point out Simon and Ashley, other partners or drivers uh, that are working with me and doing you know an incredible job. And and the beauty uh, with them and finding partners and and associates to do the work that we do is that it's 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 often beneficial to find people that share the same passion, the same values, and the same goals and desires that, that I have, but have a complementary skill set. I think that's really important because the last thing that we want are three me's at the table. I don't ever really want that for anyone's sake. Uh, but Ashley and Simon, uh, in terms of their execution, in terms of their business development, in terms of their implementation, in terms of their knowledge and skill set, I mean, they've got literally years of experience that, that I don't have. They've got context, they've got knowledge, they've got information that it would take me literally years to understand. And so with them, I got really fortunate in that I was speaking again on the circuit and one of them saw me on stage, uh, was interested in the work that we're doing, did a little bit of research and background into the company, thought that you know this could be a really good fit for us. We did calls and calls and calls and interviews and interviews, but at the same time too, knowing that they knew what Driver was about, which was Gen Y Inc. at the time, knowing that they knew what Gen Y Inc. was about, who I was, what I was doing, because that content was there, because that information was there, they were actually able to identify and filter the fit before even I had the first call. And so that content being pushed and being on circuit and being visible to the community was really important in developing what is now something I'm absolutely the most passionate about, Driver. And they are too. And it shows and they're doing great work. And together, not only are we business partners, but we're friends too. And so the benefit of working with friends and building a company and making really positive change in the areas that we're working in is hugely important and something I'm really grateful for. And creating that global network as well. You're an individual who has used and benefited from that use of of social media, as well as satisfied clients and other allies using social media to talk up or describe the kind of reaction or interaction you've had with them. Any advice there for our listeners? I mean, I would say that social media has been a great channel to get my message across. It's not something that other than, you know, LinkedIn, perhaps I, I won't really use uh, you know, And maybe that's, that's the tip. That's the takeaway here. The takeaway is, is that use each social media for a certain purpose. My LinkedIn is, is extremely professional. It's only work related. I do not stray from that. It will strictly be for business connections, business development, content creation, thought leadership. And I push that through those channels. Twitter is similar to LinkedIn, but I can do more of this, the speaking side of things. It's more me because I like to keep uh, LinkedIn more driver focused. But anywhere I'm speaking, anywhere that I'm talking, any articles that I've been featured in, any interviews and things like that, I'll push through Twitter. And I've got a, you know, a fairly good following there now. And Facebook, you know, I honestly stay quite far away from. Uh, I'll do anything maybe personal if I'm with my family or my brother, uh, with my girlfriend or something like that, you know, or to more absorb content, not to push content. What are my friends up to? How do I stay updated? What's going on in the world uh, that, that is my world? But other than that, you know, I don't really push a lot of content through Facebook. Tell us quickly about the new book that you have coming out. Yeah, Rethink Work. I'm really excited about that. Just pulled the trigger on print. Um, so that'll be coming out in the next few weeks. It's already re- available for pre-order on Amazon, which is really exciting. But I think that with re- with Rethink Work, I've got the I had the ability to consolidate a lot of the messaging in my presentations and give a really tangible, cheap takeaway that is easily absorbed 
and that people can act on very quickly. And so the, the overall message with, with Rethink Work is, is finding and, and retaining the right talent. And I think with that, we've got the ability to rehumanize the workplace, make it less about typing, clicking, swiping, tapping, and WhatsApp and Skype and everything else, and more about just meaningful human connection, building relationships, building tribes and communities in the workplace, but also the ability to remove the negative connotation associated with work. Because again, I think that if we do ultimately find our fit based on the jobs that we're, that we're looking for and the experiences that we want to live, that work isn't something that we'll have to do, it's something that we almost get to do. And that might sound crazy now, but I think if we do it right, organization by organization, person by person, that we can truly change the way we talk about, think about, and view work. I want people to hear more from you, Eric, than we could possibly cover in this interview. And, I, and I'm right now going to kind of put a place marker on, on coming back and having another coffee as these developments occur in your career, because I'd, I'd like to find out what happens after the book hits the stands and how you're harnessing that kind of energy, as well as digging in a little more detail as to uh, what you're sharing with audiences all around the world. So with that in mind, Eric, thank you very, very much for your time today, and I hope we meet again soon. Thank you very much, Fred. Marvin, and thank you too. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to come back. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.